Welcome to Coffee, Beans, and Booze. I'm Jasmine. And I'm Shyla. And we're thriving in a small town. It's caffeinated Jasmine and drunk Shyla. It's time for coffee and booze. Clink. Good morning, Shyla. How are you doing today? I am fabulous. How are you? I'm doing. I mean, I'm up. I'm moving. I've got my coffee that has already burnt my tongue because that is my love-hate relationship with the Yeti cup because I love that it keeps it hot, but it also keeps it so hot to begin with that my <laughs> tongue is permanently burnt. Um, and I have my protein I, shake, which I you know for a, me is my chaser. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I use a little bit of ice in my Yeti in the morning, like just ah. like two or three cubes of ice because then it gets it to like the perfect temperature and it'll keep it that way for ever you know, and ever an hour or two mm-hmm. you know that i'm gross it, with my yeti cup in my office you know i know you're worried that i'm gonna die of botulism and i do clean the thing just the way that the lovely company suggests that you do that you take it apart i just don't do that as often like i don't know after every <laughs> use like i should um so it's but, like but, the two-time fork you have in your office it is like my two-time <laughs> fork shout out to debbie westcott who gave me that fork like over 10 years ago when she left the college and i still use that fork and i I do. I use it for lunch and then I don't necessarily like scrub it clean. I should, you know what I should do? I should just take like some dishwashing detergent to work and do it there. Instead, I like wipe it down. That would probably be helpful. I know. I am always like encouraged though that you care that I, whether or not I die from the botulism on my stuff in my office. But (laughs) but now that I've been home, everything's been much cleaner. My health is definitely better. So yeah. Yeah, that's good. And that's helpful. Yeah. And you'll be home for a while, it looks, right? I think mm. so. I think so. And I'm, I'm in the groove. I get a lot of work done at home and my work is cloud based. So, you know, that's working pretty well. I miss my people. That's for sure. You know, um, but yeah, it looks like I'll be home for a little while. How about you? You guys are going to continue distribution for a while here in the manner you're doing now, even though this week we become this week, a Green we County. Get of, we I get know. out of grounding. It's exciting. We yeah. Do. Yeah. We, you know, we, we really... Just thinking through the whole process, yeah, we're we're gonna stay outside for at least the next little while. I think we have until the end of August that we're really planning on doing it. We have a board meeting coming up um, on July thirteenth, where the entire time is gonna be talking about reconstitution. And mm-hmm. quite honestly, I have some concerns because of some of the states, um, you know, seeing the second wave mm-hmm. starting to come oh, through. Sure. Um, and I'd rather be ready for that than to try to, you know, halt operations how we're doing it go back to how we normally do and then have and then have to pivot back yeah yeah are you going to spend some time sort of documenting how this process went so that you know you really had to reimagine everything um everything and really very quickly and I've seen you modify that a little bit but honestly the plan that you had from the very beginning is pretty much the plan you're executing now are you going to go ahead and sort of document that how do you handle that you know at the caring cupboard making sure that you know, people know what you're doing, how you're doing it, and being able to replicate that into the future. Yeah. <laughs> That's such a great question. I try. Uh, wow. Yeah, no. So we actually have um, Terry Baker, you know, God love the man. Mm-hmm. I, I I really admire what he was able to do uh, with the Caring Cupboard for so long. Um, but he really stuck by this idea that it was a, quote, organic organization and really refused sort of um, any formal policy, sometimes relationships. But, you know, he has since like mm-hmm. with the Central PA Food Bank and that kind of stuff. So we're actually in sort of a new era, and especially since going off on our 
our own 501c3 in uh, 2018, Mm -hmm. we have a lot of work to do around policy and procedure. And I know that that like is kind of yucky because we're such a big volunteer organization. Uh, But you've really grown. And I think, you know, I I love organic things too. And you know, um, I just just had the experience this last week. We're trying to figure out how we're pivoting with some things that a lot of the programming that we provide as part of our our nonprofit theater organization um, brings in revenue and it supports for the next year. And obviously revenue has been a challenge and things. And, And like you, the bigger our organization has grown, the more that necessity actually comes in to document things and to do that. And yep. so I was really reminded by sort of the opposite of that this week where I was able to talk with some folks and say, hey, listen, I just really need some opinions here, some thoughts, some feedback on things. And from that came some great brainstorming. But if I don't document that that brainstorming, it's not going to benefit for the future, right? If I don't if I don't right. benefit where right. that decision came from and sort of how those procedures have changed. And so um, we're going to pivot kind of our usual educational um, elementary program from being, instead of being like a week-long program, we're going to pivot into some sort of micro educational opportunities throughout the fall here instead so that we can better handle the timeliness of where COVID is and how it's affecting our community at the time. Because mm-hmm. like you, I'm worried about jumping yeah. back in too quickly. Um, so, you know, you've expanded the size of the caring cupboard. I mean, what started as something that, that came through literally a, a, a church pantry, it mm-hmm. has that necessity. And so while, like you, I respect Terry's organic nature, I mean, there's no doubt that I think incredible ideas come from brainstorming and come from just like, what's the best way for us to do that right now? Mm-hmm. You you have quite a volunteer base. And if they don't know, or if you have to pivot back to doing distribution the way you are right now, without that, you might really have a bit of a challenge, right? Yeah, and it actually, it's interesting because I, I'm dealing with um, some volunteer issues now that, you know, without a volunteer manual has mm-hmm. become a little bit trickier to kind of get through. And so, yeah, it, it just, I, I think overall, COVID has put a microscope on the things that just don't Everything. work. Right? Everything. Oh, so. we're having the same thing with, you know, with work teams where I've talked to so many people who say the same thing, that it's put a microscope on those who work exceptionally hard and we're now worried about yep. them working too hard. And yep. and also, though, put a microscope on those individuals who are maybe are doers but not problem solvers. So until someone could solve their yep. problem and tell them the direction, they couldn't move forward. And yeah, it, it does make me wonder what's going to be on the other side of this for sure yeah yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean it's just it's a challenge and and you know I just keep getting back to this whole idea that like you know most of our volunteers are over age 60 we have a lot Mm -hmm. in categories uh that are are, you know high risk categories so you know what happens for the first person who tries to come who Mm -hmm. doesn't want to wear a mask and you know the volunteers are like you know I'm here because you told us that people would be masked. And if we ask someone to wear one and they choose not to, you know, at what level is it my job to police that? And then also, like, you know, if they're coming for food, there's probably a necessity. So how Mm -hmm. do we handle that? Um, And, and, you know, it's not turning somebody away, but maybe asking them to stay outside while we shop for them. But that's going to require more volunteers, which Mm -hmm. is kind of negating what we're trying to practice is, you know, having less people in a small space. You know, our storefront is not that big. Um, So, you know, just trying to figure out what's the best in all of this. And uh, I don't know, it's it's a lot. It's a lot to consume. Um, And hard to find time to look ahead at all. Really, really hard to yeah. find time. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. and just like just being able to forecast appropriately. Right? Like, yeah. I could think about all of the things that w- could go wrong, and you know, maybe none of that will happen. But mm-hmm. if I don't think through it and we don't come up with a plan, I feel like before, um, you know, I we were left so off guard with this whole thing. I just don't want to be in that position again because you know, those first few weeks, I was like completely myopic all Mm -hmm. i could think about was like how do we get food on the tables of people who need it Um, and i don't want to be stunned like that again so yeah Mm -hmm. so it's i think it's a a process uh fema actually has a really great um resource for reconstitution planning so if your organization is looking for um you know ways to to figure all that out they have a great slide deck that you can utilize to kind of tailor to your organization Mm -hmm. needs and really review that And it asked a lot of really great questions. And the first question is, what does successful reconstitution planning look like? Because you got to start with the vision, right? We talked about this before, that like leadership is great when you can help motivate people to do. But if that doing doesn't reach back to your vision and and reach back to what something is, and sometimes that's revisioning, which is where I think we are really are now, um, then it doesn't then it isn't going to work and it isn't going to be sustainable right because we have to yep. look at organizations of what's going to feed into their sustainability i worry for organizations right now because um what what that sustainability looks like on the other side of covid or even quite honestly mid covid because i think the fall and the and the winter is going to look very different because right now we're able mm-hmm. to accomplish a lot of things outside we live in a very seasonable area so when we're put yes. back with the constraint of of the weather um, which can start as early as October or as late as December for us, you know, it's yeah. going to make everybody need to pivot, pivot greatly. So that, that learning process is so much. And speaking of learning process, we learned so much about how to learn uh, from the incredible people around us. And, um, and I know we're going to talk with Vicki Van Heys today, who is an incredible teacher on so many levels. I mean, she's a teacher in a um, in a, a typical type of way in that she uh, teaches at the collegiate level. Um, but we have both learned so much from her and watching the strong woman that she is. Um, Shyla, you got some teachers from your past who, who you've learned from, who've shaped how you learn and teach and, and all of those pieces. Oh, yeah. yeah, tell me, yeah. Tell me a little about it. Who's some oh, influential my gosh. teachers you had? Yeah, so this morning as I when I got up, I was like, excuse me, running through the list of things in my head that I like can uh, – I have from memorization because I needed to talk a little bit to like get ready for recording. And one of those things is um, from high school, my English teacher, Linda Louise Lingenfelder Leitner, Mrs. Leitner, wow. uh, required us. She's, yeah, the the L's in room 111. It was bizarro. Um, but she uh, required us to learn all of the prepositions. Mm-hmm. I remember I this still- list. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, I can still remember them. So I just had a good chuckle this morning because I'm like, that's the thing that I go to is like I can say all all the prepositions. Yeah. So you you repeat those to get your <laughs> about above across after right. Yeah. Along, among, around, at, before, behind. Yes. Oh, yep, I hear yep. you. The, That's yeah. so funny. That's so funny. So when, when we were discussing talking about teachers, I instantly thought about Sister Miriam. As you know, I went to Catholic school for K through 12. So I have 13 years worth of Catholic schooling. And Sister Miriam was my seventh grade English teacher. And I loved English. Like I was that kid who walked around with like a journal book. It was constantly writing and doing all those things. Um, she also had us memorize those prepositions, of course. You know, that was a big piece of that. Yeah. 
but I would be lying if I said Sister Miriam thought I was a good writer. I think she actually thought I was a terrible writer. I don't think she was wrong. Um, and um, I saw her years later because I'm pretty sure I only got through that class with like maybe a B minus or something. Like she was a stickler for like things I can do well now, but I couldn't do well then, like yeah. um, diagramming sentences. And I, I just, I don't think I had like the mental bandwidth at the time to like wrap my head around these things. But later, like I became better at them, that kind of a deal. And I ran into her when I was like a freshman or sophomore in college. And she was like, what are, what are you studying? And I was like, English. And I was like, I remembered that I hadn't done particularly great in her class. And I don't know if she did or not. But she was like, that's so exciting. And I kind of reminded her. And I was like, yeah, I'm not sure you thought I was a good writer. But I really appreciate it. <laughs> and it's interesting because I think her honesty of how I uh-huh. was actually kind of helped me be more driven in wanting to continue that path you know kind of a deal um sure so yeah I had a great yeah yeah, I had a great English honors 11 teacher Mm -hmm. uh so I I was like nerd kid you know Mm -hmm. honors and AP classes and we kind of all ran in the same group and there were some things that like you know, I, I just was, I was good at, I was better than mm-hmm. most of my peers in my class, but there were like, you know, writing was mm-hmm. not necessarily the thing that I was, I was super great at compared to my peers. Sure. And, you know, I remember Mrs. Clausen telling me like, you're not bad. You just have a lot of really good people around you. And if you look to them and kind of figure mm-hmm. out what they're doing and like, you just keep building on it. And yeah, it was nice to have that honesty, right? Like it, it wasn't really like, was. oh, yeah. you're great. It's fine. No, mm-hmm. like, look, these are some things that you can do. Here's how you can improve what you're doing. And I think that mm-hmm. in the end of all of that, having that that foundation from Mrs. Leitner mm-hmm. and then going on to other other great teachers that like, yeah, it's funny. My friends are like, um, even even my husband was like, is like, mm-hmm. I didn't learn any of this stuff. Like, what's a dangling participial phrase? Right, and I'm like, yeah. oh, we had to like, and gerund phrases oh, and like yeah. all these things. And he's like, what is that? I don't even know that's a thing. Oh, <laughs> so, completely. Yeah. But it yeah. is amazing how you learn from the teachers who are honest sometimes way more than the mm-hmm. teachers who are just like, that's great. That's fine. You know, ki- kind of stuff. And and it really did for me that honesty that came. I, I had a college professor who was terribly honest with me. I got a really prestigi- prestigious um, internship and my professor said to me, that's really great and all, but if you don't spend some time cleaning up your writing, we're not going to allow you to do this because I was representing them too, you know, deal. Yeah. And at first I remember being very sort of taken aback by like, what, you can't just be happy and excited for me that I got this thing. And, you know, and I got it based on my personality and skill, but my skill needed to match the personality and they invested in me and helped me prepare for that. And they were like, but if you work with us for the next three months, you can do this. And that's exactly what happened. And that honesty taught me so much, even more than the, you know, dangling participles and the prepositional phrases and what's objective and subjective. And I appreciate knowing all of those things and I use them every day in my life. But but the honesty of teachers. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and I think both of us are almost honest to a fault sometimes and sometimes our volunteers and the people we work with appreciate that I know my family does not always appreciate my honesty yeah uh, do you ever struggle with that you got troubles with that uh, my honesty well yeah I mean I've gotten better I think in some ways mm-hmm. at being able to phrase things and I think in some ways I've gotten better at like just deciding what I'm gonna own mm-hmm. like you know, if somebody makes a decision, like, that was not the decision I would have made. But at this point, like, 
it's back to the is this the hill i'm gonna die on today right. is this am i am i cashing in my diva card because know, someone that diva card works to the, right like, whatever mm-hmm. yeah so i try to yeah i i try to to curtail that but yeah I, I i don't know it's it's tough but the other thing i was thinking about in terms of teachers was you know there's there's one side of that like you know uh honesty but then there's another teacher that i had who taught me discipline and hard work which mm-hmm. was my music my music teacher yeah. so mr Shea was like a caricature of a person this amazing guy who was like in the army band and just like this really great musician um who had retired and was actually teaching um excuse me for free in our district um so i got the pleasure of having him and Mm -hmm. man he beat us we were a competition band of uh I think 32 musicians strong like he literally would go to the like learning disability classrooms and recruit students to come just carry Mm -hmm. horns but I don't think that there was another outlet in my high school career where I had learned discipline and hard work more than that Mm -hmm. and being in that in that environment so you were a band geek too right I, I did, but more more than band, um, I was you in were music. Singing. I was a I was a music theory. So my school, I went to Bishop McDevitt in Harrisburg, and they offered um, music theory, and um, not a lot of people took it. Um, and in fact, when I got to like music theory four, um, the teacher who taught it, her name is Katie College, and um, I have just recently actually um, reunited with her. I went to see music when she College. was playing it. Katie College. That sounds like a that sounds like a name on like a murder mystery. Like, no, but it's totally true. Katie I just College was reading her amazing. her posts on Facebook yesterday. I know, and she um she was like the assistant band director, and she offered to like. I was the only person in music theory for like I was it and so I would go and I'm pretty sure it was like her planning period and I didn't think anything of it at the time like I didn't think about this then I was like oh you know Miss College teaches this at such and such time but I'm pretty sure she took that on as like a sure I'll take her just keep you know she's got this love and she does this thing and so music theory became this huge thing where like I got to dissect and you know me I love to dissect things and take them apart and see why they work and you know I'm, I'm I'm that kid and and she really produced that environment but yeah I and while I was in band I was in like concert band I didn't do marching band that was a lot of work and I don't think I was into that so much um (laughs) but I was a singing kid um sister Patricia Ann where I met my very best friends um she had a a choir and we had chamber choir which was sort of like the elite choir and I did all of those things and then of course I did the musical program uh, with Mr. Brixius and Mrs. Shea and you talk about discipline and expectations the discipline in Catholic school for me never came from like a harsh mean place it just came from a high expectation place which is probably why you know that's kind of how I run my land like um I start every project or every rehearsal whatever it happened any project in my life and I say what are all of our expectations because I really believe that if you don't have if you don't understand each other's expectations and where your end goal is you'll never be able to get there as a group ever and I bet that comes from those strong teachers who did that and like I said that that discipline didn't come from like a mean place like you were gonna get yelled at I, I really wasn't in environments where people yelled a lot at all but the expectation was there and if you didn't meet your expectation someone else was going to meet that expectation you know came from sure. that so yeah, yeah. do you struggle yeah, no, ever was... with the with with that piece i mean that were there expectations there and you knew you had to meet them and yeah 
Yeah, well, like, from the, the band perspective, like, mm-hmm. you know, Mr. Schaefer, there was definitely just, like, you, there was no question. You signed up for a band first period. You came during your lunch period to play. You went after school. Like, mm-hmm. the, during fall and when our season was kicking up, we were practicing for, like, five, six hours a day. I've and seen that the was just tapes. the expectation. That's just, mm-hmm. yeah, that's just what you do. Like, that's yeah. just how it was. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting how, like... Yeah, you you start to like put that into your real life. Like mm-hmm. I I demand a lot from myself, but yep, yeah, it's just funny. Like <laughs> thinking about we we used to call him the old man. He couldn't hear anything, but he could hear <laughs> when the trumpet the you know one trumpet was out of tune, and he'd start yelling "you dumb dip" and run across the field, and you know Boy. that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's funny because it, we we just all knew that it came from a place of care and not because mm-hmm. he wanted to be a jerk. Like he just demanded such high excellence. And so it's a fine I, I balance, though. Channeling him, yeah, sometimes. I know. Miss yeah. uh, Amber at the middle school, um, she she's a fantastic director who started with our district this this past year, and uh, she's the the musical director. And and she was like, t- you know, saying to the kids, like, okay, you know, you're gonna go up and see Mrs. Booker next year. And I would pop into her rehearsals, and and we're 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 building a, a program with a great more consistency, which has been really great. And she had a student say to her, I don't know if I'm going to go be part of the high school, you know, piece. Mrs. Booker can be strict. And and it's funny because my high school kids really laughed at that because they were like, if you think strict just means like, I don't know, do your part so you have time for the fun. Well, then that is strict. Like, because that's, I'm a firm believer in that. Like, let's work hard so yeah. we can party hard and celebrate your incredible accomplishments, you know. Yeah, um, But I also respected it and thought, you know, um, I, I'm also pretty proud of having a program that volunteers know there's a high expectation of what we do for our community the students know there's a high expectation of what Mm -hmm. they're going to produce and they all get to be a part of something so exciting like that so um yeah because on the other side of that like when you're a student doing it you're like man this is so much and is the is Mm -hmm. it worth it but then on the other side of that like I'm still really proud of what we were mm-hmm. able to accomplish in our competition band seasons and, you know, the the friendships that we have and continue to have mm-hmm. as a result of that. And, you know, when you achieve something at such a high level, you know, it's right. it, it makes a difference for you and it, it's something that follows you. And so I think you're creating those memories for your students in those moments. They're like, oh, and, and you can see that, too, like for your students who are like, I don't know mm-hmm. if I'm coming back next year. You know, like they'll say that at the end of the season. And then they're like, always first in line. <laughs> And then they come back and they're like, because it's like this, this thing, like the, the memory gets built around it. That's like, yeah. we did this incredible thing in the moment. It's hard work. Like your it's technique so is brutal. Like it's mm-hmm. brutal for everybody. It's yeah. not. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, it's fun. And you, you have such great kids. That, I do have yeah, great kids. It's, it's been... funny. I, I have a kid who was um, on academic probation for a week. He was a good kid. He just got like behind on work. Like it's not as if, but I'm a real stickler. I, I'm like, you are student performers. Your, your job is to be a student first, to be a performer, and to learn the the planning that comes in life to be able to balance both. And I will help you with that. Like I will, I've helped kids with tutoring. I have, um, you know, helped them. I set up a study hall during tech week so that schoolwork doesn't get behind. Like it's very important to me. And I had a student who said, Mrs. Booker, I got all the work in, you know, can I come back to rehearsal? And I'm like, no, you're out for a whole week. That's the way this works. You know the rules. And every single day he sent me a message about how he would never let that happen again because <laughs> Because he was so upset that he missed it. He would send me a message that would say, like, I know I can't be there, but I want you to know I'm home practicing my steps. And he would send me a recording of him doing it. And then he'd be like, and I want you to know I learned the lyrics to this song. Um, You know, and he just, I, I think that 
that that expectation was clear from the start but then having that actually like come true and be a thing I swear that kid is never gonna let his grades go anywhere low ever again and and you know and I said to him it is it's about learning the balance of these things like we're not just teaching the theater techniques and the and the skills in those pieces but the skills of planning balancing what you can handle when you have to say you can't handle something when someone else is handling it better than you which is is a lot of times things that happen you know like you said looking at your peers around you and and seeing that you can't spend your life comparing to them you also can can say okay they might be excelling in this and what can I learn just like you said what can I learn from people around me um yeah is really smart too right yeah yeah it's so yeah and and high school like it's such a a delicate time for like Mm -hmm. exploring letting people down because invariably we're gonna let people down all the time right and so Mm -hmm. you know having that experience with somebody like you who's willing to say yeah you screwed up but you know but it's not screwing up it's the how you deal with it I've always been a you know we 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 have to create a world where we can make mistakes we have to create a world where we take a misstep it has to be about then thinking though about how you move forward what comes next after and I used to say that to my kids all the time I'd be like listen the mistake the thing happens it's how you deal with it afterwards what responsibility do you take can you make it better what if you sometimes you can't make things better sometimes you can't write them but but how do you do what's best for the overall and how do you how do you move forward in a healthy way and and sometimes that's the bigger thing right that's the bigger lesson that you can learn so yeah Speaking of lessons learned, our friend Vicki Van Heys is um, just, I have learned more lessons than she could ever possibly know. If I talk about it too much, I'm literally going to get teary. One of the biggest things I learned from Vicki very early on was how to be a confident, strong woman. Um, I was blessed to grow up with really strong women around me. My mom is a force. um, My grandmother is a force. Like, you know, just really (laughs) strong people. Um, But really being confident in where you should put those efforts is something that I've, I've learned so wonderfully from the women around me. Um, how about you, Shyla? Did you, did you grow up with lots of strong female uh, role models going on there? I think I've, I found strong women role models in mm-hmm. various places and all of them for various reasons. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I think there there was strength in in lots of women in my life but yeah 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 and sometimes and, and strong remember, doesn't always mean it's exactly the right yeah. sometimes we learn because we're like wow they were a force that that is how I've always talked about the women in my family they're like a force sometimes that force was used for good sometimes that force yeah. was not <laughs> yeah so forces for good I think uh Vicki Van Heys uh for forever since I've known her has has demonstrated such a force for good and so we're excited to have her on our show today um she is such a wonderful asset to our community and has oh my gosh like she was just so so great and I'm excited to share her words with you so here we go here we go Hey, Shyla, how's it going? Hey, I'm doing super. Uh, so excited to have with us uh, Vicki Van Heis, um, who for so many of our guests, we go way back, both we of us. We do, yeah. and I love Vicki. I am a huge fan. I think she knows that. I hope she feels that, um, and I am so excited. I have to tell you, my whole day today, I was like, everywhere I went, I'm like, I we get to talk with Vicki tonight, yeah. and I'm so excited, yes. and so thank you for joining us, um, truly. So just to kick off for our listeners, Vicki, could you give us a little intro of what you're doing these days I know we're going to get into what we've been doing in the past and the trouble we found together but can you share a little bit of (laughs) of your current trouble and what you're doing uh, out in the world 
Sure. So like the rest of us, I'm living my best COVID life, yeah. right? So right. however we can. Um, professionally, I work as a director for student access services at Harrisburg Area Community College. And like every other educational experience, we've been remote yeah. since March. So that's been that's been great you know I feel awesome you. learning experience it is so yeah. what an optimistic way of looking at it <laughs> well when you're lifting other people up all day long which yeah. is a lot of what you're doing my friend Vicky you gotta find that positivity right otherwise you can't lift the others up absolutely I think about myself Jasmine you'll appreciate this as a cockeyed optimist for the Oklahoma fans mm-hmm. out in the uh in our listening world so I think of myself like that uh, constantly like you you know when you're working to provide equity across mm-hmm. the board for individuals in an educational institution but specifically when you're talking about individuals who are learning different in an educational institution you've got to maintain that op- optimism because you're going to be defeated quick. And they're so, looking to you for that, right? You're teaching them skills absolutely. as much as you are, as they are, you are teaching them optimism and coping skills more mm-hmm. than anything, right? And resiliency, for sure. Absolutely. And they come to me with a tremendous about a, amount of grit. Um, so, you know, part of my job is I read and examine and um, interpret um, psychological evaluations that are telling me how an individual may think, process, um, what is causing disruption to that. And that can come from a learning disability, that can come from a mental health diagnosis, that can come as a result of a traumatic brain injury, that can come as a result of a medical condition, uh, or a sensory issue, uh, vision impairment, or deaf or hard of hearing. So we're looking at why is there causing disruption to the ability for that individual to fully participate and demonstrate their knowledge. So that gives me a lot of information to look Mm -hmm. at, but what it never tells me is how hard they work, how hard their persistence, their termination, their grit. Mm. So I, you know, I've stopped measuring that, trying to determine that years ago because my students consistently do beyond what I ever expected. Mm-hmm. So I don't even pay attention to a lot of that. It's really a matter of how bad do you want something yeah. and yeah. how hard are you going to work? Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, it, and what's that support system like? Yeah. Right. And that's why so often, you know, someone someone like you in the world who is is such a confident supporter, it makes a huge difference because you can have all those things yourself, but you need people in your corner. Yeah, right? you really absolutely. need absolutely. Well, and, and it speaks so much to, you know, you and I are both social workers, right? You have your MSW yes. and, um, you know, so much of my MSW training and, and you can maybe say the same thing was just learning advocacy, advocacy, advocacy for self, how to appropriately advocate, advocate for other people um, and what that looks like, because for everybody, it's something a little bit different, right? And so being able to teach those skills is, is um, yeah, it's, that's got to be a challenge and also an art, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely a little bit of science science and a whole lot of art and lots of times like um, my magic wand, right? Mm-hmm. Like and my superhero cape 
Um, Sharla, I know in your work, I'm sure there's a lot of magic wand and superhero kit there, that you've got there's going. There's a little bit of that. Yeah. And, and also the frustration that comes along with like when you see someone and knowing what the solution might be or the solution that you think is the solution mm-hmm. and having people not able or ready or willing or the, you know, the gamut of being able to take those first steps and, you know, having to sit and wait. And I'm sure yes. you probably see some of that too. Yeah. And yes. to sit and wait well, till someone's ready for that, right? Yeah. They might yeah. not be ready. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, one of the tenets of social work is self-determination, um, allowing that individual you're working with to lead you. And that speaks right to what you're saying, Shiloh, mm-hmm. because you can only go as far as that individual wants to take themselves. Right. And you, you can cheer all day long and you can set up beautiful opportunity for them, but they've got to step into it and own it. Yeah. And... How many yeah, times there have are... I heard, never work harder than the person across the table from you? Right. Yeah, and absolutely. So and so hard to keep in check because we're helpers, right? We're just we're yes. people who are helpers. And, and you've got to not take it personally when yeah. people don't pick up what you're throwing down because maybe they just can't that day. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, I'll often have students that will say to me, I just don't want to disappoint you. I can't fulfill this today. I know you helped do this mm-hmm. piece. And I'll say, you could, you could only disappoint me if you weren't honest with me about yeah. where you were today. So the fact that you could come to me and say, I just just can't I don't have it in me I don't mean to waste the opportunity but I'm like then you already didn't but you already you know you couldn't disappoint me because you were honest with me it's those who are trying to skirt around you know um that's the harder piece because I think then they're not able to be authentic to who they are in that moment and that's worse right Mm -hmm. yeah and I think it's us as professionals modeling that authenticity Mm -hmm. and demonstrating to students that we're working with that we're mentoring young professionals to say no there are moments where I need to say, whoa, time out. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I handled that well. So let's stop. Let's think about that. Or I'm overwhelmed today. Mm-hmm. It's important for me to take a mental health break mm-hmm. so that I can best do the work that I am tasked are with. You good at doing I can't. Are you good at doing well, that, Vicki? There are moments. Some days I'm very good and, uh, and other times not as good. Yeah. But I will tell you, being in this remote world... You know, my work moved into my living room Mm -hmm. and previous, my work was 45 minutes away in Lancaster. So I had a 45 minute commute to process and somehow I trained myself to leave work in the car. It didn't come in the house. Mm. And then when work was in my house. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I I joked with my husband when he moved his office remote, we we didn't know how long it was going to last, right? We thought this was going to be a little blip. He's got a giant computer set up with screens and stuff and so you put it in our kitchen we live in a townhome and I was like well isn't this just a luxury to be able to eat shit and work in the same foot space and he was like I hate you but you're right (laughs) so it's true we could there was no separation and now it's become kind of a permanent place Mm -hmm. where we are I keep saying I get up at 758 because my commute is a minute and a half like and that includes I can stop in the restroom on the way you know Um, I'm trying to remind myself that you know clearly this is so unbelievably stressful and so much but yeah. there are perks of it I mean I, I worked outside yesterday and and for me you know me Vicki I'm not really good at the self-care piece I'm not good at, at putting a barrier in even if I physically put mm-hmm. myself someplace or or cancel something or, or say no my mind is still thinking about it and yesterday I was like I'm gonna sit outside and I'm gonna make myself listen to the birds and I'm gonna you know because yeah. it's tough and I and I worry you know Vicki I was talking earlier today with Shyla about how excited I was to talk with you because you've taught me so much about confidence like I don't 
don't even think you realize how much I think of you in my life. And I'm like, wait a minute, Vicki Van Heist would say, get it together. Like this is not, <laughs> this is not how this is going to be because you're so confident. And, and I want to talk about that a little bit. But I think too, you know, you, you're reminding me that I need to be a good example to my students. And mm-hmm. when, and when they're worried they'll disappoint me, it's probably because I don't let myself disappoint my own self. And, right. and, and not, I'm not illustrating it well. Mm-hmm. So thank you. As always, for yeah. Time. Well, I think, yeah, I, you know, I think sometimes, you know, when we're working with those that we are, in all the ways that that the three of us mm-hmm. seek to lift others up, it's we've got to take in our own medicine too. Mm-hmm. And I think we're real good at doling, mm-hmm. but like <laughs> yeah. you just challenged me, mm-hmm. uh, Jasmine. Well, how good are you about taking your own prescription, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. it is. And yeah. and the remote mm-hmm. homework, I thought, how do I? I can't take a day off because work is in my house. How mm-hmm. do I do a day off? No, you can. Mm-hmm. You can unplug. You can set up your auto you know out of office reply and you can put a voicemail on your phone and you can package up that laptop and say I will see you in three days Mm -hmm. you know because it is it's important um because we we will exhaust ourselves if we don't absolutely yeah I I learned a big lesson in in seeking and receiving help um back in 2000 I guess 11, our house flooded. Um, and when we lived in Pine Grove and before that, you know, I never really, I, I never really thought about the concept of receiving help and being okay with that. You know, I was just mm-hmm. always the person who helped. And mm-hmm. then I found myself in a position of having to receive that and how very difficult that was. Um, I was 16 weeks pregnant. You know, there were a lot of mitigating factors. And, and, you know, in the end of that, I felt like it made me a very, a much better practitioner because I realized like, you know, how to people, yeah. Help. People aren't standing Mm -hmm. in line at the Karen Cupboard because they think that it's fun or it's sport. It's because there's a really deep reason that's happening that may or may not be something that other people agree with, but that doesn't matter at the end of the day. You know, it takes a a big step to be able Mm -hmm. to say, I can't do this alone. And especially that whole concept of like, basic need not being able to feed your family that's a really big challenge so Mm -hmm. yeah so I I totally hear you on that and sometimes it's good to be reminded the Vicky Van Heist challenge we're on it okay (laughs) we're on it this is good Mm -hmm. what I'm really interested to know is how much education do you do with the professors and other professionals at Hack Um, and how is that received and and in in this COVID time because I'm Mm -hmm. sure there's a really big difference between you know accessibility and internet and what what students are able to do and you know I'm sure you have have a population of students who uh, are couch surfers or maybe they don't have stable living or stable food intake or you know the, all those things so that's a big question that was bad question stacking uh, which is not okay but in he is, she's so smart she can handle it, <laughs> she can sure. handle it. but that's okay because I am the queen of question stacking so I can sift <laughs> right through um, you know I think we see you know as we especially right now as we turn on our televisions the bright spotlight that COVID shown on Mm -hmm. the lack of Mm -hmm. safety nets and programs within our our country. And certainly, um, when we look at a population such as individuals with disabilities, um, we know that they fall even more so into that population that is caught without safety net. So, yes, I had students who found themselves homeless. I had students who you know, we went remote and we don't have hotspot. We, mm-hmm. how do we get you a hotspot? Um, how do we get you a laptop? How do we, how do we equip you to do remote? And I really have to salute the tech team at Hack. They just 
went above and beyond and if there was a student need technology related we delivered it to them mm -hmm. if it was a laptop if it was a remote hotspot if it was a tremendous um rollout um mm -hmm. and as well as to faculty and staff because you know i have um, for myself, I'm a single individual. I had a laptop, but all of a sudden, everybody was home with their families. Mm -hmm. And I had professionals who work alongside me who said, I have one laptop for our house. And now it's my three kids, myself mm -hmm. and my husband, and we all got to huddle around one laptop to right. do the work. How are we going to make this work? Mm -hmm. You know, so that piece. Mm hmm and and then there's the technology piece and and remote learning and being remote and what that does um it heightens and um yeah i always the impact say that, of that mental illness yeah mm -hmm. i always say that technology you know you know I, I teach educational technology um to to all of the education majors at lvc and one of the things i remind them of is like i i will teach you where to click and what to do and all these pieces but what more than anything i want to teach you how technology makes people feel it can provide you with the greatest confidence and satisfaction mm -hmm. or it can make you feel so intellectually deficient mm -hmm. if you can't do something you feel other people can do mm -hmm. and it has such a way of polarizing people you know it's one of the first things people say all the time oh are you good with technology yeah well that's a really loaded crazy thing mm -hmm. you know it reminds me of like when I was a teenager and people were like you know can you drive a stick shift you know mm -hmm. because it, it, it was sort of this thing and and it has such this way of making you feel confident or not and we need students to feel and faculty to feel confident when they're creating these environments of learning from both sides right mm -hmm. and so I'm sure you're seeing that with students who are also already concerned with their abilities to learn for so many of the reasons that you listed right right and so you know and you know as a community college we have a great diversity in age mm -hmm. so we have individuals who you know um, left the technology. workforce for one of sure, those that's right mm -hmm. and and all of a sudden, you know, I signed up for a face-to-face -face class and now I'm thrown in a remote world and this doesn't work for me. I don't know how to do, we use um, Desire to Learn as our mm -hmm. learning management software. So, you know, I, I never worked with that before. Or our faculty, I never worked with that before. Mm -hmm. So, to back to one of uh, Charlotte's original questions, what kind of training do we do? Mm -hmm. So, you know, we really try to um, get out in front of this as much as possible to remind faculty, hey, accommodations still aren't effective if we go remote and what that looks like. And mm -hmm. we found quickly that within our work in student access services, we also had to fit, pivot mm -hmm. in regards to, well, that accommodation isn't going to work anymore. So how do we think about another accommodation for mm -hmm. you? Right. For example, students who rely upon paper pencil testing mm -hmm. well now everything is remote testing um, for some of our students they were using paper pencil because to work on a computer screen was a challenge for them for vision issues there mm -hmm. was the glare it was divergence the words blurring moving around the screen so what do we do well now we're going to read you know so that was a tech challenge how many zoom sessions can you get going mm -hmm. to be able to have somebody else monitor the 
the test situation for myself to come in and read the test and then for the students to actually input their answers right, right. so how many devices can right. you get Absolutely. going so yeah. you know we no were learning on the fly i was saying and then no, no time, time to figure it out you know yeah. i'm i'm a big test something before you roll it out because i i don't want to complicate things this didn't allow for that right yeah. and i'm sure you had the same thing and so it really puts those problem solving skills um to test for sure yeah yeah, yeah. and you know, students are anxious, but faculty are mm-hmm. anxious as well. And as, while my work is what I think most people assume is to support students, I'm also there to support faculty sure. as well and help them problem solve. Sure. How do we answer this accommodation question? And lots of times it's talking people off the, mm-hmm. you know, off the edge, mm-hmm. like it's going to be okay. And, telling, Back and away providing from the that cliff. confidence in them, you know, yeah. because that's the thing. There's nothing like, you know, someone is really defeated when they're really trying to. I've never met a faculty member who didn't want to make the accommodation someone yeah. needs. It's how. It's, it comes from a place of fear if there's pushback because they're concerned that they can't deliver. Yeah. It has nothing to do with the other side of that. And I'm sure you see that too. Yeah. A lot of times we see that, and um, there were times where students didn't have their extended time mm-hmm. taking a test, so then it's a matter of, okay, we've got to uphold compliance as an educational institution with mm-hmm. the federal and state mandates, so that means a retest. Yeah. Well, a retest, nobody likes a retest, the student right. doesn't like a retest, the faculty doesn't like a retest, but, you know, so sometimes it was working through those issues and helping mm-hmm. Um, everybody kind of come around to the table that this is really the best way mm-hmm. we can put the broken plate back together again, right? right? Yeah. So, yeah, there were there were challenges, and we are actually did some good surveying of our students of what worked, what didn't. Once mm-hmm. we ended the semester, and so tomorrow important. we're getting ready to present that to faculty to kind of help them because mm-hmm. we continue to be remote during the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't know where we are in the fall, but we have summer courses. So what did we learn in spring to help yeah. faculty who are Translate teaching that, summer sure. yeah. to best practice? So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, a lot of conversations, a yeah. lot of conversations. Good conversations, for sure. So what I'm, I, I want to know, Vicki, is um, how have you been able to com- create community with the students, maybe student to student, student to faculty? and other professionals within Hack, um, you know, because you do work under FERPA, right? So you have a restriction in what you're able to tell people, but you, you, how have you built a community, I guess, and, and have you been able to, to bridge people together um, by not having those discussions, but sort of having an implicit, like, here's what, you know, this is the best thing for the student kind of thing? Absolutely. So I think within faculty, higher administration deans, right? Like, um, you've got to help them one understand that I am here to help you figure out how to do the things I'm tasking you to do. Um, you're not, I'm not sending you out to do this on your own, that this is a partnership, it's collaboration. As a social worker, I am huge about collaboration. Mm-hmm. I want to bring all the parties to the table. How do we as a team solve this? And sometimes that means that's faculty, that might be a dean as well, and that might be the student, or maybe it's the student and faculty and a tutor and myself. And how do we put together a plan? Um, And one of the ways that I seek to do that is 
with my students, I always am accessible to my students. So I want them to always know they can call me, email me, stop in to see me, or in this new world, they can zoom in mm -hmm. and see me, mm -hmm. right? But faculty as well. Um, when I train faculty, a couple years in, probably about five years in, and I've been 10 years at Hack, I, it occurred to me that trouble began for faculty implementing accommodation. When they're reading an accommodation letter and they go, hmm, to themselves, already they're probably beginning to feel like, how do I implement this and I don't know how. Mm -hmm. But with best intention, they attempt to do it on their own. Things begin to go sideways with the student. Now the student is frustrated, the faculty are frustrated, and everybody lands in my office angry. Mm. So I figured quickly that what I wanted to communicate to um, faculty, and I think humor is a great tool, and I use it every you chance always I get. Say that. That's a shy Yeah, it is. Yeah, humor is a good mm -hmm. thing. Yes, for sure. It is. Mm -hmm. So when I, I work with faculty now, I found a. Um, red child's flip phone and it sort of like is a big brick you know back when mm -hmm. for those that remember the brick flip phones when oh, they yeah. first came out mm -hmm. the razors so it's the, this big, the big yes guess, yeah. big chunky <laughs> and it was really <laughs> chunky yeah even right that's yeah. right jasmine mm -hmm. so they were super chunky right so i pull that out when i'm talking to faculty and they now ask me do you have the red phone do you got the red <laughs> phone for this training because i love it when you pull out the red phone mm -hmm. But really what I'm helping them understand is when you get that letter and you go, hmm, I don't know how to do this, that's when you pick up that red phone and go, Vicki, how do we do this, right. right? So that's how we build community. And how do we then help everybody feel comfortable in that conversation and support it? And one, it's just letting everyone know they're going to be heard, mm -hmm. that there is space for you here student faculty there's space here for you and we're going to talk about what what you need to be successful because very often especially students coming th up through k through 12 with an iep mm -hmm. special education they don't talk a lot about what they need to be successful their strengths they hear a lot mm -hmm. about what didn't go mm -hmm. well or right. what the deficits were mm -hmm. so we frame the conversation in that respect and then everybody can buy into that because mm -hmm. faculty get excited about doing something that's going to be a strength building experience. Students get excited about that. Uh, deans love it because they think, oh, we resolved this and it's moved off my plate. Sure. And, you know, right. everybody, you know, sort of moves off into the sunset. So it's about helping students, one, understand away from faculty, one, helping them understand what their diagnosis means and helping them to integrate that into themselves just as much as we integrate about ourselves that Jasmine has brown eyes and mm -hmm. Charlotte's are blue and mine are brown. Like we don't have an issue with that. Mm -hmm. So that helping them, it's just another piece of you. Mm -hmm. It is not all of you. It's a piece of you. Well, you know, you started this conversation about things being equitable. Mm -hmm. And I and I heard you say that because, and, and knowing you, that is such a tenant and a pillar of who you are. Mm -hmm. You know, I have never seen you address one person different than another or not look for, for, to, for a way that you can not only be a bystander to watching their equity, but be a participant in making sure they are. Mm. Where did that, that that desire come from in your life? That doesn't all of a sudden poof over a person's head one day. You know, where did that desire for community of equity come from? Well, I will tell you that that came from my experience of having an IEP. I was identified in 
first grade of having a learning disability. It was a learning disability in math. I had an IEP all the way through from first grade through uh, 12th grade. And um, when I teach students about disability, when I teach students about disability rights, because I teach a course at Hack that is for high school students trying to think is college for me. Mm-hmm. We talk about disability rights. Um, when um, I teach a course at Lebanon Valley College about um, inclusivity, mm-hmm. we talk about uh, disability rights. And I just so happened to be born at the perfect time. So s- special education law came in. In 75, I hit I hit kindergarten in 1977. Yay me, right? Um, I graduated high school in 1990. Americans with Disability Act was enacted then. Yay me. So while by while I was in college, they were still trying to figure out how to implement it. There were pieces there that allowed me to be successful in college. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where it comes from mm-hmm. that that I've experienced what it feels like to be asked to leave the table. Mm-hmm. You don't have a place here and we need you to sit over there. In the other and, group. Yeah. In the other mm-hmm. group, right? Yeah. The sense of being othered, right? Mm-hmm. Like we other a lot. Mm-hmm. And and so I I knew, I felt that, I lived that, I walked that. And um and I think that's where that comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, you also so- come from a family um, that I would imagine. I, I've had the great delight of of interacting with your family over over years, and um, you know, a very compassionate and empathetic group. And not that I would say y'all get along every second of every day. Um, one of the most real, <laughs> wonderful families I've ever met. But I would imagine that empathy and compassion has, has came from your parents and translated down to a household of you and your sisters. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I have. I'm the oldest of um, three girls, mm-hmm. and um, it is a competitive household. You know, to your point, Jasmine. Mm-hmm. Like it's it gets it. Uh, you know, we throw elbows, mm-hmm. and and but in but the, the best, love most is there. And loving family way, I absolutely, yeah. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Don't be disguised or deceived by that Van Hyde, yes, right? That, that's that, really that, that's not. No, not, my mother is Angelina De Giorgio, oh, so oh, yeah, that so. comes through <laughs> nice and clear. I right? remember having a particularly like challenging time in my life, and Vicky had put together a most wonderful book club that was truly like life changing. You know, of reading books and texts that I needed, and it was the one of the best. And and she welcomed us into her home and her parents home at the time and I was having a particularly challenging time and I sat on that couch and literally I felt like I was home like I'm like I'm, I'm at my Aunt Catherine's I am with all of like the, like the Italian happiness that I needed and yeah that Van Heys is just a, a smoke screen for you know this wonderful thing and um but truly I'd imagine that that there was while you're throwing elbows there there's a compassion mm-hmm. and empathy that, yeah. that that doesn't come from oh nowhere. yes mm-hmm. yes that love is deep mm-hmm. right and I you know I think um those who have been raised in households like the Italians function that way, the Jewish function that way, Hispanics and Latin cultures function that way. We're going to call it out, mm-hmm. but we're calling it out in love. And so there's this transparency to the emotion. It doesn't feel... And a confidence that comes in knowing you'll be heard mm-hmm. with that emotion, right? You are one of the most confident people I mm-hmm. know. And, and where does that confidence come from? Where, where does that come from? My goodness, um, I don't know. I guess, um, well, I, I think 
my sisters and I were just talking about this. We had an opportunity to finally gather short, uh, a couple weeks ago outside, socially distanced, of course. Um, but we talk about this all the time. My mother, who is a dynamic uh, woman, she is no tough. Co- she is a tough cookie. So um, being raised by my mother, um, I don't shrink from much. Um, and because she just expected a lot of us and she just laid it out there and things weren't sugar-coated. And um, so people will, will be amazed at me and like, I can't believe you just handled that the way you did. And I'm like, oh, you don't know how I came, where I came from. <laughs> so Vicky, at the end of every interview, we ask three questions. Are you ready? I feel like I'm a game show host. I know. I love it. It's my ultimate dream. Okay. <laughs> so the first one I get to represent because I'm the coffee beans in this relationship. And so my question for you is, what is your favorite coffee beverage? Uh, if I'm not having drip coffee at home, I think it would be um, at Starbucks a grande iced white chocolate mocha. Mm, I love a good, good white chocolate mm, mocha. That does sound good. And so it's perfect this time of year. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. Cheers, so my question for you, Vicky, as I represent the booze side, uh, what is your favorite adult beverage? I'm a mixed drink girl. I'm a mixed drink girl. So and. Jasmine and Charlie, you both know I'm a big foodie as well. So I go seasonally. So now we're coming into the vodka gin season. So vodka gin drinks yeah, are on the menu. Tito's, right? Do you yeah. have a Tito's? That's Should we Tito's. Tito's. Yeah, one that we're literally yeah. all, all three of us independently are drinking Tito's drinking and cranberry Tito's. tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Do you have a, do you yes. have a preferred gin brand? We've been oh. we've been asking this with people. Oh well, um, I, mm. I enjoy Hendrix. Okay, nice. that, one, nice. that one has been brought up. Well, hopefully yeah. soon enough we can get together uh, for such a thing yeah, in person, which would be sure. amazing. Oh but we'll keep, until then, we'll green, keep relying on the technology, green, right? Green, yes. green. Yeah, so our mm-hmm. last question I'm going to punt here to Jasmine uh, kind of encapsulates our whole reason for being here, right? For being Coffee Beans and Booze. So go mm-hmm. ahead. Take so our, our final question is, what's your passion, Vicky? What, what lights your fire? I think what lights, me, lights my fire is... Um, conversation with individuals where they begin to crystallize how they're going to move forward right like no matter what that is and that can be a conversation with a friend a family member it can be a professional conversation but when somebody all of a sudden has that breakthrough moment and they go oh my gosh now I know my next step and to be able to partner with that and foster that I just think that is just the best thing ever that's well, awesome. That is amazing. Yeah. And you are amazing. And I can't thank you enough for, yeah. for being in our lives, for being in the lives of so for many sure. that you make such a difference um, in our community. And yeah. please know it is seen and we are so thankful for it and really yes. appreciate your time today. Absolutely. So. Thank you. You were so wonderful. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I'm Shyla And I'm Jasmine. And we're thriving in a small town. It's Kevin and Jasmine and Drunk Shallow. It's time for coffee and booze. Clink.